Welcome! The University of Central Florida's Office of Diversity and Inclusion brings you Matters of Diversity with Dr. B. With your host, Dr. S. Kent Butler, and our guests, U.S. veterans Lisa Harrison, Bren Bedford, Shannon Waiters, Stanley and Jean Simmons. This show is brought to you by UCF Foundation. Thank you. What's up? Greetings and welcome to Matters of Diversity with Dr. B. I'm excited for today's uh, panel today. We're going to be talking about Veterans Day and all the great things that veterans have done for us here in the United States. And we have some students and faculty members from the UCF offices on campus and our coursework. And we also have two guests who are part of the military, who are part of my military family. Um, and so I'm excited about today as we move forward. And so as we go on, I want to introduce to you my guests. And uh, we're going to have a really exciting time talking about um, just the things that they have done with regards to their military service and how we can kind of honor the veterans um, tomorrow on Veterans Day. First, we have Bren Bedford. She has been at the university since 2001. Currently, she serves as the Center of Distributive Learning's Instructional, Developmental, and Pegasus Innovation Lab teams. She has over 20 years of experience with project and personnel management in industry, military, and higher education. As an alum of UCF, um, in the 2018-2019 Leadership um, Empowerment Program, Bren's LEP project focused on generational diversity in the workplace. Prior to that, she published an article in the EDUCAUSE review titled, Managing the Four Gs in Higher Education IT. Bren earned her Master's of Nonprofit Management and Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration Management Information Systems degrees here at the University of Central Florida. As a combat medic in the United States Army, Bren achieved the rank of Sergeant and has stationed and was stationed in Fort Jackson, Columbia, South Carolina, Fort Sam Houston, San Antonio, Texas, um, Fort Carson, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and in Beira, Germany, for a reunion of forces in Germany, Reforger. Next, we have Lisa Harrison, who is a Navy veteran. She is a student here at UCF, majoring in mechanical engineering, um, and she has a minor in robotics. She is from Bozeman, Montana. She chose UCF for approximately um, its proximity and connections to Disney World, currently a senior and hoping to graduate next year um, to do ride design for Walt Disney World. I have a she has a great yellow lab named Rosendahl or Rosendahl. I mean, you're gonna have to say that Rosendahl. Um, and he and 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 she um, like to go camping and traveling whenever they get a chance. Next, we have Dr. Jean Simmons, who is a retired Army nurse with the 30 years of service um, in the Army Nurse Corps officer. Um, Colonel Simmons served in her last assignment as a chief executive officer for Kimbrough Ambulatory Health Care Center at Fort Meade in Maryland. 
Um, that word just always gets me, that analyst word. Okay, so there we go. Um, Dr. Simmons attended college in North Carolina at Atlantic Christian College, now renamed Barton College, where she received her bachelorette um, degree in, in nursing. She completed her master's degree in nursing administration at the University of South Carolina in Columbia. And her terminal degree was completed just recently at Walden University, where she earned her doctorate in nursing practice. Colonel Simmons served in a variety of military assignments at Fort McClellan, McClellan, Alabama as a staff nurse in the medical surgical unit. She went to Fort Ord, California to complete her nurse practitioner degree in adult health and served as an adult health nurse practitioner at Fort Lee, Virginia and West Point, New York. She was assigned at Fort Pork, Fort, Fort Polk, I'm sorry, Louisiana and served as Chief of Ambulatory Nursing, Nursing Quality Assurance and Nursing Education. She served two overseas assignments in Germany. Colonel Simmons awards include three Army Commendation Medals, three Meritorious, uh, good Lord, um, meritorious um, Service Awards and the Legion of Merit Award. And she holds the prestigious Medical Order of Military Merit. Dr. Simmons is married to major retired Stanley LeVon Simmons. He is a program specialist with the Veterans Administration's Investment Governance Service um, Office and Strategic Investment Management. He joined his, this office in December of 2015 after serving as the lead program specialist in the Business Informat Informatics Division of the Applied Informatics Management Directorate. He joined the VA in August of 2010. And after serving at the Chief Business Practices and Program Evaluation Division Resources Management Directorate and the Lean Six Sigma Deputy Deployment Director, headquarters in the United States Army Corps of Engineers. Mr. Simmons retired from the United States Army in 1994 after beginning a 20-year career as a private first class and the Army's military police corps. Among his many active duty assignments were leadership positions within the 709 uh, Military Police Battalion in Frankfurt, Germany, command assessments, assignments um, with the 515 and the 555 Military Police Companies um, Fort Lee, Virginia, as and duties as executive officer of the 197th Ordnance Battalion in, um, in Germany. He also serves as position as a separate brigade installation in major command levels in the United States and Germany. And last but not least, we have Shannon Ray Waiters. And she is a special um, U.S. Army um, uh, retiree. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. She's a legal studies major here at UCF. She was born in Washington, D.C. and raised on a farm in Health Springs, South Carolina. She enlisted in the U.S. Army right after high school graduation as an intelligence analyst. She spent most of her time overseas with a total of eight deployments that included multiple tours of Iraq. Prior to her retirement in 2019, she earned a associate's degree in intelligence operations in 2013, and currently expected to graduate in the spring of 2021 with her bachelor's degree in legal studies here at UCF. 
She is most proud of being a single mother with two amazing children, son Ray, he's five, and daughter Desmore, 16 months. After graduation, she plans to attend law school in the fall. Her long-term goal is to start a consulting agency to help as many people as she can. So if you all would just please help welcome um, my guests today. And before we even get started, all I want to do is check in and see how you all doing. What's going on? How is everything with you all? Doing well, Dr. Butler. Thank you, Lisa uh, and Shannon. I'm doing great. I'm doing, doing well. Thank you so much for the invite. Yes, Glad you. you all could be here. I'm sorry I butchered your um, your bios. Um, they were too <laughs> long for, for, for one, um, but you got a lot of stuff that you all have been doing. So tell me, I got a couple of things wrong, I'm quite sure, in terms of pronunciation. You can kind of call me out on any of that because I'm not military. And But I really wanted to get an opportunity to talk with you all today in honor of tomorrow, which is Veterans Day. And so in your eyes, what what do you think is the most important thing that we can all um, take in with regards to um, why we, we actually um, honor the veterans on tomorrow? I guess most of us are used to someone calling on us before answering. We don't all like to be <laughs> oh, we're waiting to speak, you know, but um, <laughs> honestly, I think the, the biggest part for me, um, in, in my opinion, is that uh, just remembering the daily sacrifices that veterans make. Um, Memorial Day, we do reserve that for those that have fallen. And I think oftentimes that gets confused and, you know, people, you know, kind of use the two interchangeable when they're not. We use Veterans Day to serve those, to uh, honor those that have served and are currently serving, whereas we use Memorial Day for those that have fallen. So I think that Veterans Day, you know, is really for those of us that are living and still have sacrificed and, you know, uh, uh, provided service to this country and this great nation. And so you just tripped me up. One of, my, one of my questions was, what was the difference between Veterans and Memorial Day? And you just went right straight to it. So I appreciate <laughs> that. How about you all, um, Jean or Bren? Um, what, what comes up for you when you think about Veterans Day? Well, I hear all the... Uh, oh. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> what what you read uh, about everybody's bio, I think that speaks volumes about what, why we um, honor veterans. Uh, clearly, everybody has done so much that they probably would not have done or possibly would not have done right. in civilian life. Okay. So that's, that's, a good, that's a good question um, for you then. How do I, as a civilian, really um, pay homage to you all for the service that you have provided? I think for me, it's just kind of a matter of recognizing that being in the military, that being in the service is a huge responsibility. And a lot of the things that we take for granted as civilians, um, you know, take the recent election, I hate to bring up politics, but the idea that you can voice an opinion and that you can dissent from anything that you want to dissent from. And that's something that gets, um, that goes by the wayside in the military because that's, because that's the way it is. You know, we have to follow a chain of command and you have to um, uphold, you know, any lawful order. And so the, the idea there being that the 
veterans give up some of their freedoms to protect yours, you know, to mm -hmm. use the cliche there. But right. I think that that's a big thing that people don't realize that, you know, we don't necessarily get to express every idea that comes into our brains um, because we have to fall in line in order to keep the whole system working. And so what's that like to fall in line when you have maybe differings of opinion? Um, is that something that you see yourself in terms of the loyalty that you have towards the service or towards America? Um, how does that actually supersede some of the things that you've come up with on your own? Um, I notice it more in um, social media, honestly, okay. the idea that um, a lot of a lot of folks, civilians and military, sometimes to their detriment, use social media as an outlet for, um, you know, anything that you want to say. And as a veteran, and especially as active duty, you have to be very careful about what you do put out there because you can't, um, you just need to be careful about not being detrimental to, um, to the mission. Yeah. yeah. So Jean. Right. One, I was going to say um, to add on to that, uh, Dr. Butler, is, is the fact that as a, a military member, you're not just an individual. You represent not only yourself, but mm -hmm. your your organization. You represent the, the Army or the Navy, the whatever branch of service you're in, as well as the country as, as a whole. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things that a lot of times civilians don't really understand is that you as yourself are an individual and you represent you, maybe your family, but when it comes to being a member of the military service, your responsibility goes well beyond you. And, and that's one of the things that a lot of times just gets forgotten about that no one really understands is that, yeah, that freedom of speech is great for you, but as long as I still wear the uniform, my freedom is somewhat limited when it comes to what I can and cannot say because who I'm representing at this current um, time. So that's one of the things that I think to add to what Lisa had said earlier. Okay, great, great, great. Any thoughts, Jean or Stan? Yeah, I I am listening to um, my uh, fellow veteran uh, friends here and um, it's a life of sacrifice. It, it's, it's one of those things where you volunteer to serve and you're going to represent your country in other countries. Uh, here in the United States, when you wear the uniform, people look at you differently, you know, and they, anything that you do while you're in that uniform reflects on the service that you represent. So, you know, you want to always uh, do things in an honorable way uh, you don't want to be out, you know, you're not supposed to be demonstrating in uniform. A lot of things that you can't do uh, in uniform that you can do as a civilian, you know, in civilian attire. Right. But uh, you know, it, it, there was a point when you could not demonstrate, but now you can, but you can do it in your civilian attire. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you just have to be cognizant of uh, how you appear to the public. Mm -hmm. And when you make that and you step up and you raise your right hand and say, I swear to defend the Constitution of the United States and everything else, you have to really be serious about it because what people don't understand sometimes is we die. Right. <laughs> people actually lay their life down for this country and uh, that's a serious matter. So when you take it, you can't take that oath lightly. Yeah. So Stan, as a black man who took that oath, What's it like to kind of raise your hand up for the United States of America and, 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 and stand in service 
um, for for the states? You know, that's that's a really a great question because um, I remember um, during my college days, I'm a uh, certainly a 1960s um, uh, kid who went to college in 1970, and so the ferment. Um, uh, the foment that was uh, occurring in the country at the time um, was perfect for me. Um, but I will tell you that as I um, completed my college um, years in 1974 and went on and into the Army in 1974, one of the things that I do remember the most is sitting around in the barracks and actually talking to um, uh, my fellow soldiers um, and, and just trying to understand the bigger picture of why we were there, what we were there for, how are we going to move on into that post-Vietnam um, existence mm. and then help the Army move forward to a, another way of, uh, of um, development and organization? So there were a lot of things that, was, that were happening that happened in, uh, in uh, the late 70s, or early 80s, I think that made a very big difference in my life. Mm. Um, but a lot of that was based upon the, the experiences that I had coming up in the 1950s and 60s, seeing the civil rights um, uh, movement, for example, and carrying that forward in my mentality on into, uh, into the Army. The Army developed so many different programs to help us uh, understand and deal with um, um, the concerns of the 50s and 60s um, that um, made the idea of being African-American um, while essential to my thought process, um, made me, as um, uh, Ms. Waiter said, um, a, understand that I was part of a bigger uh, uh, effort uh, uh, in, this great, in this great country we call America. Mm -hmm. So is it a misnomer that um, most men join um, as a way out um, of maybe their communities or something along those lines? Because I think there's a difference between there being a act of service and, and, and wanting to, to be there for your, your country, and then also looking at it as a way to get a GI Bill or some other um, types of entities that you may be able to, be able to get um, as, a, as a person who served in the military. Is that, is that I a think, misnomer? I think that's a, no, it's, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a misnomer, but I would tell you this, um, that's a part of it. That's not, you know, for, that's not the end all and be all. I would tell you that, um, um, I had many friends, uh, in my case, um, here again, um, you would think that as a college graduate that I would not look at the Army as, um, you know, probably the way I would uh, start my, uh, uh, my life, my uh, adult life. But uh, quite frankly, I looked around and saw uh, that there were some things about me personally that better suited the Army than mm -hmm. it did even um, interviewing for jobs at that time. I was um, um, not as comfortable in, in the interview process, but I was very comfortable with um, what I could probably do, what I could bring to the Army. So in that case, uh, it was um, kind of a, not a way out necessarily, but it was certainly a way to get started. Right. Once I uh, joined the Army, I think the um, responsibility and the accountability, just the opportunities that came my way let me know that um, this was indeed the right choice for me. Mm -hmm. Now, I would tell you, I know many people that would tell you that they were given the choice of go to jail or join the army. And, you know, that was some of the things that were being said back in the old, in the early days of the volunteer army. But um, at the same time, there were many people that would say, 
they simply fit. They found a, a, a they were that uh, essential um, um, uh, round peg and they found their certain round hole. Uh, this mm. was them. This was how it um, worked for them. Dr. And Butler, if I can speak on that as well. This is a conversation that I have had with many of my peers. You know, it's that, well, why did you join the Navy is something that comes up all the time or on right. campus you know, why did you join the military in general? And I have gotten every different answer under the sun. And some people will tell you that they just wanted to serve, but those people are kind of in the minority. And I think part of that is because there are so many ways to serve now. There are so many different ways to go about public service that the, you know, without any, um, I mean, there are just there are just many many options and i think the military is not necessarily in the forefront of most people's minds when they decide right. to serve but for myself and for a lot of my peers it's simply not necessarily an escape from where you are but not knowing where you're going and so that idea that you know even if you just do that one enlistment that's four years of someone telling you what to do when to do it where to be there where to be when to be there how to do it and for a lot of people who don't necessarily know where they're going, like I was, I was drifting. I was 23 years old and had no idea what I was going to do with my life and came to the military late. And just that idea that this is something that I can do. This is a clear path that I can set myself on and contribute to something and, and do something with my life. Um, I think that's at least for a lot of the people I've talked with, kind of a common thread. I don't know what else to do. So the military is something worthwhile that I can do instead of continuing to drift. So you said that you were drifting. And so I want to ask you to kind of come elaborate a little bit on that. So when you say that, um, were you kind of thinking about school, thinking about, um, you know, just life in general? Um, what was that defining factor that came that made you say, you know what, I'm going to enlist um, well, the defining factor was actually just a, uh, a fluke. I was in Bozeman, Montana. It's a very small town. And so the recruiting office is actually in the mall in town. And I had stepped down this back hall because I'd missed a call. So I stepped down this quiet hall so that I could call someone back. And as I hung up my phone, the Navy recruiters walked in and I happened to be sitting outside the Navy office and they were like, oh, were you waiting for us? And I said, no, I wasn't. But I mean, I guess you're here. I'll talk to you. And uh, <laughs> next thing I knew, I was in the military. The um, it was just a, I was in the right place at the right time. You know, I was I had been in school. I changed majors a couple times. I didn't really I was I was over school. I'd taken a semester off. I was bartending. You know, I just didn't really know where I was going. Right. And so having someone step in and be like, hey, I can tell you what to do for the next four years. Sounded really great. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Gina, yeah. I think you're going to say something. Um, what were you going to add? Oh, I was going to add that, uh, you know, yes, you're asking her, what made you make that decision? Yeah. Well, I was uh, working in a hospital. I had finished college and I had my BSN and I was working in a hospital in Greenville, North Carolina. And what I kept seeing was people that did not have the education that I had be promoted and moved into leadership positions. And, uh, you know, this was in the 70s. So I was like, well, okay, let's just face facts. You're an African-American young woman in a Southern state that still isn't, has not arrived. Where can you go to get what you need? And I started looking around 
and I looked at the uh, Army Nurse Corps. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they had the answer that I needed because, you know, they tell you, hey, we, we're going to put you in leadership positions immediately, you know, right. what we groom you for. Right. So that's what I was excited about. I wanted the opportunity to advance and I wanted the opportunity to get more education. And so, I mean, come on, who who's not going to jump on chance that and I was sick when I was ready? There wasn't anything holding me back. There wasn't a fear of joining the military for you. Oh, no. You know, when you're young, what is there to fear? <laughs> when you're young, you cares. You can do anything. Nothing you can is do fearful. Anything when you're young, you can have your whole life ahead of you. That's yeah. My life is in front of me. And what, what am I going to do here? Marry a farmer and live on a farm the rest of my life. And maybe that's exciting for somebody, but it was not exciting. <laughs> it wasn't exciting for you. So, no, I, didn't so, be a your, so I, I was a part of, of that story a little bit. What was it like from your family? For all of you all, what was it like from your family once you decided that you were going to join? Maybe, I, Bren, let me ask you first. But you know, when you said that you were going to join, what what did you get opposition, or did people say to you, "This is just a great opportunity for you to serve"? Well, I too had like three years of college already, and there were some major life changes in the family, and so I was feeling like I didn't really have many options, and I made the decision for myself, and nobody else really probably knew until I said, hey, I'm going to basic training. So there wasn't any opposition. Okay. So basic training was, is an interesting thing. All right, go ahead, Stan, you were going to say? No, I was going to say, I, uh, much like um, Brenda, I was uh, in the same boat. Um, uh, it was my decision to make. Um, you know, I, I had, again, uh, I had completed college. I actually had graduated. And um, uh, a week later, I was... Um, uh, I had gone to see the army recruiter um, during my the last week of my uh, of my last quarter, um, and I talked about some um, options. Um, decided that was the right thing for me at the time, and uh, so um, it was funny. I, my my dad came to the graduation. I asked him to take my my um, suitcase and my box and everything else, take it all back home, because I wasn't going to come back home. I was going to the recruiter, and I was going straight to the uh, okay. Army um, entrance station uh, in Jacksonville, okay. Florida. So, um, yeah, so, and, and they all understood that. It was my decision to make. The question became, um, was this something that I had thought about, that I had thought through, and uh, was it the right decision? And, and they all knew it was. If I made it, it was the right decision for me at the time. Nice, nice, nice. Well, my decision was unlike any of you all's, uh, totally different. Um, for one, I was uh, underage when I actually made that decision. So it was something that my parents had to agree to, which okay. at the time they were not happy with my decision at all. Um, first thing was my father was drafted uh, in the army. So he had to go to Vietnam. My father was uh, one of those that went over there, saw how terrible it was and came back and, and didn't like what he felt when he came back. So it wasn't that we were against the military, it's just that we had just a bad experience in our family with it. So it was not only my father, it was him and four of his other brothers that were also drafted at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, a couple of years around each other, but all of them went over there during you know their own periods. So I had an older sister who had graduated high school just before I did. 
And she was old enough to make the decision on her own. And she did pretty much behind my parents' back. So my parents already had heartburn about that. I had academic, several academic scholarships as well as the athletic scholarship to colleges all up and down the, the East Coast. So I really had a plan already laid out. I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I graduated college. And I really had a top number one school, which I had got accepted to already. So I had a plan. But after I did my, um, uh, what's it called? The orientation at the, the campus, I was terrified. Because again, I came from nowhere, South Carolina on a farm. My father was a pastor. My mother is a dentist. And we lived a very sheltered life. But once I stepped foot on that campus, it was like a culture shock to me. Okay. But in so many different ways, I couldn't really figure out whether this was good, good to me or whether it was a fear or, or was it just interesting and I want to know more. And as I went home and I started to try to sort those feelings out, my sister had came back and was telling me, she was like, she said, you know what, Shannon, you should join the Army. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I said, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. She was like, she said, you can still go to college. She was like, she said, but right now you're worried about everything else that surrounds what your life is going to be like. She was like, take the time when you join the army. Don't do like I did and join the reserves. Go active duty. You'll get to go and see the world. See the world for your first term and and then you can come back and finish the college and do all of that. You, you still have your plan. Your plan doesn't go anywhere. So I was like, okay. So after hearing from my sister, I go and I tell my parents at dinner that night. And I was, I said, I decided I want to join the army. And my mm. parents were angry. They was like, no, nope, no, ma'am. And I'm like, uh, but yeah, I really want to do it. And they, they was like, no, you are going to college. You have whatever choice of college you want to go to. We will support it, whatever. But you're not joining the military. Right. And I was like, why? You know, like I, I couldn't understand it. But my parents were thinking about other things that I was not. I, I was young at the time and I, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So I'm listening to you, Shannon. I'm listening, but I'm like, you know, you can still go to college when you're in the military. That's the part that I'm trying to understand why people are, you know, they pay 100% tuition assistance. They so, should do. You know, I took advantage of that too. <laughs> I, you know, you can do two things at one time if you just put your head to the ground and, and decide, okay, I'm in here now. I'm going to take advantage of all of this free education that they're giving me. Right, right. right. So uh, my parents was like, nope, you're not going to do that. And uh, we already know that you're not old enough to do that without us agreeing to it. So the decision is made. And I was like, oh, okay. So then a couple of weeks later at my high school, they had this career fair. And of course, all the recruiters from all the branches of service were there. So this one recruiter from the army was just destined to get me. Like he saw my grades for everything was like, oh yes. So he came down to the house and met with my parents and walked away with his head between his legs because my parents told him, nope, I don't know where you're getting this from. My daughter's not going, blah, blah, blah. Hit the road, Jack. And then my parents had a discussion together later that night. And my dad realized that it was something that I really wanted to do. So he's trying to now convince my mother otherwise, okay. because he realized that it's like, if you don't allow her to do it right now, when she's so, you know, headstrong, that this is what she really wants to do. Then when mm -hmm. she turns 18, she'll be like her sister. She'll join. Don't tell us and never come back. So Fast forward to um, today. Where, where, where is, where are they at now with this decision that you made? 
Well, out of all of my siblings, I was the only one who actually stayed in the military. I did 20 years retired, whereas it was only supposed to be a stepping stone for me. My sister mm -hmm. did uh, two enlistments. I had a younger brother that did one enlistment, but I was the only one who made the military a career mm -hmm. and actually the only one that has my degree. You know, yeah. so they are excited that this was something that I was so adamant about doing. And I actually was given the blessing yeah, to do it when I did. Yeah. So, so they're excited about it now. They love it. <laughs> that's really interesting because you, um, Stan, Gene, um, I know for a fact, and I'm, I can't speak for the others on here, that you two made a career out of it. And so we did. We did. What was it like? Um, what is it like now looking back at, you know, your journey? It was the best thing I could have done. I'm from um, uh, Miami, Florida, so I'm from a big city. And um, uh, I looked at the kinds of things that even had I graduated the University of Florida and gone home. I looked at the kind of things I would have done there. I've looked at some of my friends, uh, my uh, classmates. We're getting ready for our 50th reunion next year. Uh, so I looked at my classmates and the kind of things they did. And I realized that um, when it came to, again, these, these words float so much, but uh, the question of responsibility, um, which is something I really wanted, uh, the question of opportunity. And my wife mentioned, um, for example, um, uh, the GI Bill. Well, I've got three master's degrees, all with the GI Bill. Um, you know, so um, uh, opportunity, responsibility, uh, the question of accountability, I wanted, uh, um, to for somebody to to push me to 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 find out what I was made of, you know, uh, these are kind of terms we throw around a lot. But quite frankly, when you're uh, 18, 19, uh, in my case, 22 years old, graduating college, those terms meant something to me. Right. And I met people who really lived those terms. They lived responsibility. They lived every day. They got up um, to be accountable to themselves and to somebody uh, somebody else and to something else, uh, right. that ideal that we all um, looked at. So yes, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a way of life, but I would tell you that it was the best decision I made. And um, every day of those 20 years, uh, I can say that I really enjoyed them. Nice. I can say that I learned something new and I, and I carry some of it with me uh, even today. Yeah, I know. I know that for a fact. That you <laughs> so, Gene, well, one of the highlights in our family, and Gene's my cousin, everyone. I just want you to know he's my first cousin, and Stan's my first cousin, too, And but um, as by marriage. But um, I will say <laughs> that when, um, when you became colonel, it was a highlight in the family because people were like, wow, look what you achieved. What was that experience like for you? Um, as a black female, um, having done all that you've done? Well, Dr. Butler, <laughs> I almost called you your other name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, I will say that it was a proud day, but you know, it takes a lot of planning and work and you know, you got to hit all the right milestones. You got to be working on your advanced degrees. You've got to make sure you get all the army schools. And it's very, it's highly competitive. Uh, and I, you know, you have to, to me, the military makes you challenge yourself. You're yes. continually growing, trying to pass the next 
whatever that rung is, that board to try to get to the next rank. If you got to have a master's degree in order to make major, well, you got to get that master's degree. You know, they have set up a program of events, you might as well say. And I mean, it's like a career ladder. If you don't hit these blocks, and when your record goes before that board, I mean, even down to how you look in your uniform. So that means you have to be, you got to be physically fit. You got to be able to run two miles based on your age by a certain amount of time. And every six months you have to perform that duty. Now, I'm so, looking around you know, the room right now and everybody's facial expression is like, oh, I didn't Huh? Because we remember it. Oh, yeah. I remember it because you were out there. And I mean, you couldn't wait to the day of the PT test to get ready. You had to you had to practice and stay fit in order to be able to pass that test. Because initially when I started, it was one mile. And then they increased it to, to uh, two miles wow. that you had to run within that certain time. But the other thing was when I first came in, when you turned 40, they said, okay, you no longer have to do the PT test. But then later on, they changed their mind. <laughs> and I hadn't turned for it yet. They said, you got to still keep going, old girl. So <laughs> I didn't have any choice. I had to keep doing the physical fitness test. Now, what do I say about that today? I say, thank God, because I think that it made me pay more attention to my physical health. Yeah. And I got the benefit of all those years practicing physical fitness where a lot of my friends were becoming fat or out of shape or sick with different type of uh, il chronic illnesses because they were not uh, competing against other people to try to get somewhere. Right. Uh, it, it was beneficial to me to be in the military. And yes, that day, my family was very happy because everybody was saying, well, what's the next step? And I said, general, but there's only one in my core, so that is highly unlikely. But I was very, very proud and happy to achieve that rank in the year that they that my board sat. Only 19% of the people got promoted to colonel, and I was within that 19%. Hello, yes, amen, that's what amen, amen. Okay, so finish it up. What did you say? No, I'm just going to say what God has for you is for you. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. So, Brent, what was your experiences like um, going through the ranks? Because you you hold a, 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 a upper um, rank as well, right? Correct? Uh, I was I was a Sergeant E5. Okay. And so what was it like to kind of navigate those channels? I have to say that I, I'm not sure why, but I really didn't have uh, a lot of challenges pertaining to that. Um, I went in as a private E1, but because I had college, I achieved P3 or yeah, yeah, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually E5. Okay, and so. Um, so you still have some of those boards. Still did, yeah. yeah. And the PT yeah. test. <laughs> yeah. So for those who are interested in, in joining the military, what, what kind of advice do you have for them, especially if they've gone to college? Because one of the things that was a, that was something that I heard heard, and I don't know how true this is, if you didn't go through ROTC, R-O-T-C, that you would not be able to climb the ranks. But knowing Gene and knowing what you did, you didn't go to ROTC and, and you were able to kind of climb the ranks. Um, so what's what are the, the what's the misinformation out there um, about joining once you've kind of graduated or had some years of college? 
you know, I, 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 I live that. So let me let me throw a, a, yeah. a few comments in there. I'm like, um, much like Bren, um, I joined the Army out of college um, with, the, with the college degree. So I came in as a PFC after basic training. I became, a, I'm sorry, I came in as an E1. After basic training, I became a PFC. Um, and then on the normal um, procession, progression uh, made uh, spec four. When I made uh, specialist four, um, I went to officer candidate school um, because I was told by a drill sergeant in basic training that um, I had um, what it would take to complete uh, officer candidate school. So it was at an officer candidate school that I became a lieutenant, uh, second lieutenant. And then my career was made from there. Um, but um, so there are opportunities. The question really becomes, um, what do you think about yourself? And what do you think the Army, uh, what, don't think so much about what you can get from the Army. It's kind of like um, uh, President Kennedy's comment. <laughs> Not so much um, uh, uh, what um, the Army can do for you, but what you can do for the Army. If you get right. to that point where you're understanding a little bit more about yourself, that gut level feeling about yourself, mm -hmm. then you can really start to look at, now what can I do with this, with me, um, that's going to impact our, uh, our armed services, our country, um, what's going to impact the family that I may start, a profession that I may start, a business. Right. Um, you know, so all those things really, I think, start with that gut level um, uh, uh, look at yourself, that introspective look. So how, how well does the military take care of you all um, after you have retired? Um, do you still have benefits? There are a number of ways. I work for the, uh, yeah, uh, uh, as, as uh, you mentioned when you read in my bio, I work for the uh, Department of Veterans, Veterans Affairs right now. So there's this one structure, if you can even think about it, back uh, in 1865, um, President uh, Lincoln, when he uh, was given his inaugural address, talked about the fact that we would have to um, worry about those um, um, widows and those orphans um, and those veterans. Um, so just think of 1865, and then later we develop a Department of Veterans Affairs to make that come alive. One of the things I get so concerned about, and we have all these agencies, um, um, uh, veteran support agencies, BSAs out there now, um, Veterans of Foreign Wars, the, 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 the uh, DAV, um, there's so many different agencies out there now that are trying to reach out to veterans and say, look, have you um, gone to the VA? Have you gone and gotten your uh, 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 medical checks to make sure of what uh, benefits you have available to you? So I would ask all veterans, um, please, if you have not uh, gone out and found a local uh, VSA, go find one that will help you to uh, uh, connect you with the VA so that you can actually get uh, determination of those um, amazing benefits, everything from home loan, home loan mortgages uh, to um, healthcare and okay. continuing healthcare and some of um, what we can we call um, the best the best healthcare anywhere. Mm -hmm. What are yes, those? I, I am reaping all of those benefits. I have uh, bought and uh, bought two VA home loan. Uh, used the VA yeah. loan twice. I own two homes as well as the fact that I received my retirement from the Army. I get my disability um, from VA. 
And I'm right yes. now currently enrolled in school and VA is covering that as well. So mm-hmm. I use all my benefits for everything as well as providing for my children as well with their benefits that they get for the rest of uh, right. their lives as well. So a quick question for you all who work at UCF and have, um, so what does UCF offer to um, veterans and, and what kind of things can students and or people who are working at UCF be on the lookout for um, that they may not know about? So the short answer there is just about anything you could possibly need. Um, you know, Shannon and myself both work in the Veterans Academic Resource Center. Um, Shannon's in the back doing the peer mentoring and kind of the more in-depth stuff. And then I work up front and deal with uh, the uh, certification of benefits for the education side of things. So getting people access to their GI Bill and the various other VA educational benefits that are available. But more than just that um, kind of nuts and bolts processes, we have all the information for anything else you could possibly need. So people call and they say, I'm a veteran and I need this. And if it's not something that I can provide, I know where to send them to get stuff. So we have people calling, asking you know, where they can get their health benefits. And we don't have anything to do with that in our office, but we do know who does. So the, the, the VARC, the Veterans Academic Resource Center, is really a kind of a stepping off point. So if you are a veteran at UCF and you need something from academic advising to healthcare, we either have it or we know where you can get it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a quick resource for whatever it is that you need as a veteran on campus. As well as their dependents too. So we don't yes. just work with the veterans or active duty service members, we work with their dependents as well. Nice, nice, nice. And where do you where do you um come in to the story at Bren um, as a veteran at UCF? I uh, let's see. So as far as where where I was, like when I was um, got out of service versus where I how I ended up at UCF. Well, what I mean, so as a veteran, how have you benefited maybe even from VARC or, or other things that are going on? Or what would you share that might be important for people to know who, who work at UCF? who are veterans. I'll be able to tell you that after I go visit Lisa and Shannon. That's right. We made a connection. And even during the, the pandemic, we've made no, ourselves uh, very accessible. Like we've started um, yeah. Zoom academic yeah. and advising sessions so that, you know, when the, the campus was closed, we were still available to all veterans and dependents throughout this because VA had rules and policies that changed during this time. And because mm-hmm. of that, we still had to make sure that our uh, students that were using those benefits were aware of that. So yeah. we made sure that we were still available to assist and advise and however we could. And again, like Lisa said, it's not just for the educational benefits, but to put them in contact with the other services that veterans and dependents are uh, eligible for. Nice. So what are some of the things that um, that we have done as citizens, um, as um, you know, those who, who have not served? What what where what ways have we stood in the way of veterans and what ways can we be more supportive or helpful to veterans? Oh, I have a great one. And I'm sure that uh, Dr. Simmons and Lisa can, and, and Brent, uh, uh, Ms. Bedford can also say is that a lot of times they forget that women serve too. 
I get so frustrated when I pull into a veteran spot or I ask for my military discount and they're always asking me, well, where's your husband? He doesn't have to be here. I'm the one that served. So we have to make sure we change the culture and the idea that women serve too. And that, you know, we're sacrificing mm. just as much as our male counterparts, not saying that their service is not important, but don't marginalize ours. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, my wife would, my wife would tell you that um, I retired about, uh, gosh, I don't know, 13 years before she did something like that, quite a few years before she did. <laughs> and so I was very happy. And I say it today, um, I'm her dependent. You know? <laughs> so... I make sure I that I remember her ID. People, Dr. Simmons. <laughs> I, I remember her social security number. Well, you know, we get into it. I get the quarters. You have the right. I'm listening to Shannon, and I will tell you oh, that funny. I'm just going to take the other side of that coin because when people try to deny me what I have earned, I just kind of mm-hmm. smile and I'm like, well, you know. I really don't have to show you my ID card, but uh, I look, I get all my discounts. When I go to Lowe's, when I go to uh, Home Depot, I, mm-hmm. you know, tell me, oh, well, you know, da 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 da. I just show, show them my ID card. Then I'm like, look, I'm authorized. Mm-hmm. And if I pull up in a spot, and you know, they got them colonel spots at some places when you go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, uh, miss, excuse me. I'm like, yes. You know, <laughs> people, I'm I'm telling you, when you're a female wearing that uniform, you have to put up with some things. You do. But you must just be gracious because I'm like, I know what I'm doing here. I I know that I've earned this right. And right. so I just smile and I just keep on going because uh, I won't be denied. I will not be denied. I know. I, I, I know you come at me and I'm not even in the military. Um, Lisa, <laughs> uh, any, any, anything, Lisa, Bren? Um, I, I guess I have kind of a different take on it. I mean, I certainly have experienced, you know, I, I distinctly remember one 4th of July, there was a, a breakfast and I was sitting uh, with my boyfriend at the time who had not served and and the waiter came up and, you know, they were doing free pancakes or whatever for veterans and asked the guy that I was with if he was a veteran. And, you know, and he said no, and that was the end of it. And right, exactly. And, you know, and, and I didn't say anything and he didn't say anything because he knows, because you know, he knew me, but at least, at least for myself and, and I worked in the veteran service office in Oregon and the women that I worked with there um, were uh, of similar mind, generally speaking, and I'm sure I don't speak for everyone, but the idea that um, I have found that as a male veteran, many guys, that's kind of the first thing that comes up. You know, you're having a conversation with a guy and pretty quickly it comes out that he was a veteran or, you know, it's, it's usually the men who are loud about it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and rightfully so, but for a lot of women, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me to describe myself is not veteran. I'm certainly proud of my service. I would do it again. I, yeah, it's the best thing I've ever done with my life. But at the same time, it doesn't define, define me loudly in the way that I think it does, that I have noticed that it does. For wow. Wow. Right, right. So for men, you know, you say, oh, well, what are your top qualities? And it's, oh, I'm a veteran. I served, I did the thing. And for <laughs> women, it's kind of more something like, 
you know, this, this is a thing that I did. It shaped who I am. I'm proud of it, but it's not the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me to describe myself. And I think that that's a fundamental difference between men and women. And again, I'm sure I don't speak for everyone, but that's just something that I have found in similar panels. Very interesting. Did you get those pancakes though? (laughs) You know, I don't, I, I don't recall. I don't recall because I, what I remember is the conversation afterwards, which was, well, you know, she didn't ask you. And I'm like, I know. And I didn't say anything because I know you didn't want to be asked because it's not something that I, you know, crow about. And so it just, yeah, I mean, if I had wanted them, I would have said something. But I'm just going to tell you right now, go ahead on and get toot your horn, girl, because you did the time. You might as well get Right. And, and that's the thing like when it when it comes up it's certainly not like if you ask me if I serve I'm certainly not going to say no but right. at the same time I'm not I'm also not going to call you out on assuming that I'm not a veteran and I found that I'm even guilty of it myself so before I served I was a firefighter and a paramedic in Montana and I noticed that if I saw a woman driving a vehicle with firefighter plates I would like license plates. I would automatically assume that her husband was the firefighter. Oh, wow. Even myself as a veteran and a firefighter and a paramedic, if I see a woman with military affiliation, I still, I assume that it's because of her husband. And so I think that speaks to a fundamental, um, you know, cultural thing that even myself as, as a female veteran firefighter that I still assume that the affiliation is through the husband. Nice. Brent, anything to add to that or? Yeah, uh, what Lisa was saying, um, I'm not so much about, oh, I'm a veteran, but it's really about my experience as a veteran. And the, um, I, as I was thinking about this, uh, reflecting on this today, uh, you know, I thought about my time and the first day in basic training, well, actually the first night and, realizing that my world was lacking such diversity prior to the moment that I was in an army barrack. Um, well, actually being taken by cattle car with all these people I don't know to right. the barracks. <laughs> and, um, and then the, you know, in the middle of the night when they got you up uh, and you're standing there at the end of your bunk and I was thinking that's where individual individuality and ego ended. Mm-hmm. And that's where cohesiveness and teamwork and the building of a different character began. Wow. And that's Excellent. what I value. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. I have one last question for you all. Um, and it has to do with the red poppies and why they're worn on Veterans Day. Um, can we end with maybe some knowledge about the red poppies and, and their importance? Lisa, we was just talking about that the other night. Um, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know what the textbook answer to that question is. I'd always heard that the poppies, um, it's a very hardy flower and symbolizing the blood that was shed before us. Um, but, you know, that, so I think at least in my mind and, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, to me, it's just, it's like our own personal Memorial Day where it's something that is not necessarily understood all of that, all that well outside of the veteran community, but it's something that we recognize amongst ourselves. And it's that little reminder um, that, you know, I mean, that 
we owe what we have now to those who came before us and, and those who didn't make it home. Thank you. I appreciate you all, all so much for taking the hour out of your day and spending some time with, with us um, to really commemorate not, not only Veterans Day, but also you. And I celebrate you all um, and the things that you've done. And I, I'm proud of the fact that I, I, I have family members, I have friends, I now have new friends who have, have been of service to our country and, and really hold, hold it up in high esteem. And I, and I really felt that today listening to you all. And so I'm very, very appreciative that you would um, answer the email or the phone call and, and, and be a part of the guest panel today. And so, so thank you so, so much. Um, at this point, we're going to kind of close out. And, um, and I, I just want to tell everyone who's out there, you know, please um, appreciate our veterans, not just tomorrow, but every day and listen to them and their narratives and the stories that they have to tell and, and how they have sacrificed so much, um, not just for themselves and their families, but for us, people outside of that, you know, and respect them for all the things that they have done. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the university's um, foundation office who are part of our sponsors for, um, the, for our MOD Matters of Diversity podcast. And so um, with that, we're going to close out for the day. Um, Bren, Lisa, Shannon, Jean, and Stan, um, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. And, um, and I just thank you from the bottom of my heart. And so... Um, you all go forth and have a phenomenal day. And tomorrow, I hope that you um, just relish in the fact that um, there's love for you. There's much love for you and the work that you all have done. Thank, thank you, so you very much for having us, Dr. Butler. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank really you. appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. Thanks for listening to our show, which is brought to you by UCF Foundation. This has been Matters of Diversity with Dr. B.